Hi, this is Ed Fitzpatrick. If you enjoy local politics as much as I do, be sure to join our friends at Rhode Island PBS for the show A Lively Experiment. Hosted by Jim Hummel, the weekly series features journalists, pundits, and politicians debating the stories and issues that matter most to us Rhode Islanders. Tune in to A Lively Experiment and be part of the conversation. Fridays at 7 p.m. on Rhode Island PBS and wherever you get your podcasts. From the Boston Globe, this is Rhode Island Report. I'm Ed Fitzpatrick. Welcome back to the podcast where we bring you big conversations from our very small state. What's the impact of having fewer Head Start classrooms in Rhode Island? How has gun violence affected our young people? And how does asthma relate to attendance in school? Rhode Island Kids Count has been providing answers to these types of questions for nearly 30 years in its annual fact book. Here to give us a preview of the latest findings is the new executive director of Kids Count, Paige Clausius Parks. Our conversation after a quick break. When you want to go beyond the headlines, let me recommend Rhode Island PBS Weekly. Rhode Island PBS Weekly is an award-winning news magazine broadcast that gives you the full story, powered by investigative journalism and narrative storytelling. New episodes of Rhode Island PBS Weekly drop Sundays at 7.30 p.m. on Rhode Island PBS. Watch past episodes at ripbs.org weekly. That's ripbs.org weekly. Welcome back. I'm here with Paige Clausius Parks, Executive Director of Rhode Island Kids Count. Thank you for joining us today. Thank you for having me. First of all, congratulations on becoming the new director of Rhode Island Kids Count. I know it's been a few months. Tell us a bit about yourself and the organization. Sure. Thank you. So Rhode Island Kids Count is a statewide children's policy and advocacy organization dedicated to improving the development, health, safety, education, and economic well-being of Rhode Island's children. And we have a strong focus and commitment to equity and eliminating disparities that we see based on race, ethnicity, income status, language, disability, um, neighborhood, and zip code. And you've been there for a while, right? I have. So I was, for four years, I was the senior policy analyst for education and economic well-being before becoming the executive director in December of 2022. The new Kids Count Factbook will be coming out next week. Can you share one data point from that report that stands out to you? One of the data points that I'll share today that is really alarming and concerning for us is the closure of Rhode Island Head Start and early Head Start classrooms. So this school year, which is the 2022-2023 school year, there were 30 Head Start classrooms that needed to be closed and 14 early Head Start classrooms that had um, limited enrollment, even though there was a long waiting list. So over 230 kids are waiting for these spots, but they were not able to open those classrooms because of the workforce crisis that we're having right now with early learning programs. So is that the reason uh, for those numbers? It's it's an inability to get or retain staff? 
Yes, the wages are very low for our early childhood programs. We've heard some program providers and early educators say they can get paid more working at a fast food restaurant Mm. than taking care of our young children, which we know is a critically important job that we need high quality folks in those positions. Is that a federally funded program? Where does the funding come from and what could be done about this problem? Sure. So our Head Start classrooms are federally funded. However, the state can provide additional funding um, to support it. So in Massachusetts, they provide additional funding on top of the federal funding. And that's how they're able to have higher wages, keep more of those classrooms open. And we need to do the same here in Rhode Island. And we haven't done that. We haven't we provided anything extra. Oh, we, we used, used to. to. In 2008, we provided funding for our Head Start classrooms. We need to restore that funding. You know, we've got the General Assembly in session now. Is there any legislation before them to increase those wages, or has the governor proposed anything? Yes, there are. So there are a couple of bills that the Right from the Start campaign is supporting. So Rhode Island Kids Count coordinates the Right from the Start campaign, along with seven other organizations that are on our steering committee. And the bills that have been introduced would provide additional $6.5 million to keep those Head Start and Early Head Start classrooms open. The governor has also proposed $7 million in his budget for the Rhode Island pre-K program. So there's 40 seats that are currently at risk of permanent closure if we don't also put additional funding into those programs. And just quickly, where do those bills stand? Have they received hearings? Are they going to the floor for votes? They have received hearings, um, and we're, we're waiting for them to go to a vote. We hope that it goes through. We can't lose these classrooms. It would be going backwards for Rhode Island, not good for our kids, not good for our education system, and certainly not good for families. Tell us about the increasing diversity of Rhode Island's children. That's touched upon in the, the Kids Count Factbook. Yes, Rhode Island is continuing to become a diverse state. Children are more likely to be identified as people of color than older folks in our state. And this is really awesome, wonderful, incredible thing. And this also shows us that we really need to address disparities that we see by race, ethnicity. We need to close the gaps. We need to make sure all of our kids, especially our kids of color, are able to access all the supports and opportunities. Tell us about some of the disparities that children in Rhode Island face. Children of color in Rhode Island are more likely to live in incomes that are below the median family income, more likely to be in high poverty um, neighborhoods, which means they also attend schools that serve a high percentage of students in poverty. When living in these areas, especially in our four core cities is where we see many of our children of color living, there's not as many resources that are available to them. So that includes family sustaining wages. Uh, I mentioned education. We have issues with health care as well in these neighborhoods, um, as well as having, you know, homes that don't have lead pipes or lead paint in them. To be able to run, jump, play, access to out-of-school time programs. These are all things that impact a child's development. And for kids of color, especially kids of color that are living in poverty, it's very difficult for these families. And that lead to some of the disparities we see in so many other things, especially in our education system. And just remind us what the four core cities are. Sure. Providence, Pawtucket, Central Falls, and Woonsocket. Your predecessor, Elizabeth Burke Bryant, led Rhode Island Kids Count for 28 years. When I did an exit interview with her in September, she said her biggest frustration was that, quote, we have not seen the improvement Rhode Island needs to see in student achievement and academic 
outcome. Do you share that frustration? And what are, what, what are some of the latest trends you're seeing on educational achievement in Rhode Island? Yes, I share those frustrations. And my background is in education policy. So this is um, my wheelhouse. This is uh, my love language education. Um, because we know that with high quality education opportunities, people can go far and can do so many great things and be able to get jobs that they're passionate about, that they love, that can also support their families. I'm very frustrated, as many folks are, in terms of we're really struggling to really reach the disparities that we see um, in education, both by race, ethnicity, and also disability status and language status as well. We need to have a really coordinated plan for how to address equity, and we need to be bold and brave and talk about the implicit bias we see, the systemic racism that we see in education, all of this impacts how we roll out our policies, how we implement policies, and overall how kids are able to access education and achieve. Elizabeth Berg Bryan said she was most proud of the establishment of Rhode Island's pre-K programs. Where do you stand in reaching the goal of universal access to pre-K for four-year-olds? Well, this is why we need funding to support our Rhode Island pre-K mm -hmm. programs. Um, Rhode Island pre-K is uh, nationally recognized as a high-quality early learning program. And right now, we're at risk of losing 40 of those classrooms, Rhode Island pre-K classrooms. So we'd be going backwards. We'd be losing thousands of seats for our children if we don't provide funding for them. So it is a great program. The state should be proud of the high-quality program we've created. So now we've got to sustain it and expand it to that more families and more children have access to this high-quality program. Yeah, just bring us up to speed on that front up at the State House. I know Senate President Ruggiero has talked about pre-K programs. Yeah, so we have seen great support. In fact, last week we had Strolling Thunder. What a great event. Um, Strolling Thunder is where children, families, policymakers are getting together saying we need more support for our youngest children. And it was, I would say, both a celebratory event in terms of having kids and families and policymakers together all on the same page supporting our young children and also a call to action. Because we can't just feel good about it. We got to do something about it. We got to put our money towards these programs. We got to make sure our kids have what they need. We just saw another mass shooting with eight people killed in Allen, Texas. The, the fact book notes that 2021 was the deadliest year for gun violence in U.S. history and firearms related injuries remain the leading cause of death in the U.S. among children, even more than motor vehicle accidents. So what needs to change and what's your position on the legislation now before the assembly that would ban assault style weapons? So Rhode Island Kids Count is in strong support of legislation that would limit assault weapons. We also are in strong support of safe and secure storage bills as well. Firearms being the number one cause of death of children in the country is just not acceptable. We need to be doing everything we can to protect our children. It hasn't happened here yet in Rhode Island, thank goodness, but no one ever expects to be the next state where a mass shooting or a tragedy like this happens. So as adults, we have a responsibility for our kids. We need to keep them safe. And one way that we can do that is make sure that these weapons are not accessible and those weapons that are around are secured and stored safely. Rhode Island is in the middle of a housing crisis. So tell us about the impact it's had on homelessness among children. Yes. So we are very concerned and keeping close eye on children that are experiencing homelessness. We know that we have um, 
account of how many children are experiencing homelessness, but we know this is an undercount because it's very difficult to count the number of, of kids. We are in support of schools that are also trying to provide additional resources and identify kids that are experiencing homelessness because kids need a safe, secure, reliable place to call home to lay their heads at night. And what would be the main thing state government could do to address homelessness right now? Well, we need a multi-pronged approach. So we need a a long-term plan for building more affordable housing, low-income housing as well, not just affordable housing. But we also need a plan for right now. It takes time, right, to build housing, but we need an immediate plan right now so that families are not on the streets. So I'm a runner now, but I had pretty bad asthma when I was a kid. So I'm always curious about what's happening with asthma rates among Rhode Island kids. Asthma is one of the number one causes of chronic absence for children. Um, So the asthma rates we are keeping close eye on. I know in our fast book we'll have some updated data around the number of hospitalizations that it's related to asthma. That is an issue that has many impacts, especially on their education. In March, Representative Robert Quattrochi was removed from a House committee after he asked the fellow legislator, are you a pedophile? He's a situate Republican, and he posed that question to Representative Rebecca Kislak, a Providence Democrat who was a lesbian, during a hearing on her bill to require equity impact statements. I know you were at that hearing, so just tell us about your response. Yes, I was at that hearing, and I was appalled by that response. And I just want to make it clear that it was not just an innocent question. That was an intentional question that was meant to make an association between the LGBTQ community and pedophilia, which we know is inaccurate and is not correct. It was a harmful, harmful way of having a discussion around a bill. The bill was not related to that. The equity impact bills are extremely important for our General Assembly to look at. It would require policymakers to look at the impacts of proposed legislation to ensure that it's not increasing disparities that we see. And it's unfortunate that the question that was posed at that time distracted policymakers from what's critically important, which is to make sure our laws and our policies are working towards the goal of decreasing and eliminating disparities. Yeah, it took the focus off the equity impact statement legislation. What what are your thoughts on that proposal? Well, you are in strong support of that proposal, both a proposal that would require um, policymakers to look at um, the impact as well as an additional proposal that would um, require the governor's budget to include an equity impact statement. And we, we need to do this. I think many policymakers want to increase equity. We want to decrease disparities. I truly believe that is the goal of many policymakers. But it is, it's hard to do that if you're not intentionally looking at all the possible consequences of legislation. I think sometimes there are unintended consequences because time hasn't been looked at to see how does this bill, how does this issue impact all those different populations that we're trying to support. So Elizabeth Burke Bryant was director for 28 years. When you leave in 28 years from now... <laughs> How uh, will you know if you were successful? What would that look like? Uh, So 28 years from now. I'll have you back. I'll I'll still be here. Oh, great. I'd love that. Hopefully before that. Um, You know, our portfolio at Rhode Island Kids Count is so large. As you can see from our fact book where we track 71 indicators. And 
we will be successful or I will feel successful if we have less to talk about, right? If we have less disparities to talk about because we've addressed those disparities, we're making progress for kids, oh, that would be that would feel so good. So it'll be success if the fact book is pamphlet. Oh, yes. I would love that. <laughs> right. I think our staff would as well. <laughs> All right. Paige Clausius-Parks, thank you for joining us today. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Here are some more stories to check out this week in Globe, Rhode Island. Our columnist is a father. Dan McGowan and Nora Crowley are the proud parents of Jack Lawrence Crowley McGowan. He was born last Saturday, and we bring you up to date on the most popular baby names in Rhode Island. Why do the bubbles in Champagne stream straight to the top of a flute glass? In this week's Innovator Q&A, Alexa Gagas talks with a Brown University engineering professor about the stable bubble chain and fluid mechanics. In Warren, Rhode Island, a stained glass window depicts Christ as a man of color, as he almost certainly was. Scholars think the window, commissioned in 1877, could be the first of its kind. For these stories and more, go to globe.com slash Rhode Island. That's globe.com slash Rhode Island. Rhode Island Report is a production of the Boston Globe. Today's episode was produced by Megan Hall, Carlos Munoz, and Scott Hellman. Audio mixing and mastering by Marissa Ewing of Hemlock Creek Productions. Our music is from APM. If you like the podcast, do us a favor, follow the show and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. I'm Ed Fitzpatrick. See you next week. Looking to binge watch all your favorite PBS shows? You need Rhode Island PBS Passport, Masterpiece, Antiques Roadshow, Rhode Island PBS Weekly, and many more. Watch them all, anytime, and from any streaming device. Learn more about this member benefit at ripbs.org passport. That's ripbs.org passport.